All right, we're in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. So as I was listening to Calloway play his electric guitar, I was thinking about the videos I've been watching as I am a new guitar person. Uh, I am now in the club. I own a guitar that doesn't make me guitarist, but I have one. And I've been watching the videos that you see on YouTube. Learn how to finger pick or finger play in 12 minutes. (laughs) It's kind of like... Any of those things that you see on the internet, how to lose 30 pounds in 12 days, or how to be fit in a fast season. And you you watch these videos, and you watch these people, male and female, play their guitar, and you go, I will never be able to do that. And what they are careful to say is, you can do this, but it takes patience and practice. It's not instantaneous. In a microwave world where you can get your teeth white in a month, where you take this product and it makes promises, we can be a little numb and somewhat discouraged by promises made and realities not experienced. And I want to begin this morning with just a statement that goes like this. Life is a journey and abundant Christian fruit bearing requires a lifestyle change. Because what we saw together in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, the last time I was with you, was asking you to take an honest assessment of your heart. The parable of the soils. Lots of followers. Lots of, I want to be with Jesus. I want to hear his words. I want to be a part of his work. And Jesus tells this foundational parable, this illustration, meant to communicate. There are many followers. But not all the followers are part of the kingdom will enjoy kingdom promises, kingdom blessing, and bear kingdom fruit. There are some whose hearts are hard. The soil is so impenetrable that when the truth hits it, it doesn't penetrate it, therefore no fruit. Or sometimes it's shallow, it's surface-level soil, and it's not deep enough to last. It's an emotional transaction that doesn't endure the difficulties of life and the challenges of faith. It burns up when it's difficult. And then you have the competition heart, the soil that's got unresolved thorny issues, unresolved sin issues, unresolved priority issues that grow up and choke it off, the worries of the world, the desires for other things, the passions of the flesh, the competition for the seed in the soil of the soul. And it may not be obvious to everybody, but below the surface, there's competition, and that competition ultimately chokes it off. Three soils, unfruitful. And then there's soil number four. So soil number four, Jesus defines in verse 20 of chapter four, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. So we talked about good soil, and they hear the word, and they accept it, paradecomai. They receive it with enthusiasm, with joy. They welcome it with passion, deeply, exclusively, and they bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold. I want to talk about fruit bearing today and the means to it. I want to finish, or I want to begin where I finished last time, with the recognition that true Christianity, good soil that bears the fruit of the kingdom, 
True salvation, true fellowship of Jesus Christ is characterized by exponential and undeniable fruit. It is not instant, but it is inevitable. 30, 60, 100 fold. You see these words of Jesus in verse 20, and you could say, well, that's just hyperbole, hyperbole, exaggerated. It is not exaggerated. It is meant to be reality, but it is not an instantaneous reality. It is the product of a life change, like learning how to play the guitar. Patience, perseverance, practice, you live it out, and you watch the things of God at work in your heart and life, and you bear fruit. And I just want to highlight what you're looking for under the heading of much fruit. You're looking for the fruit of changed lives. And I would write these down because this is an assessment that should be a part of your evaluation of where you are and where you need to be. Much fruit, the fruit of people. An abundance of people that are saved or helped because of Christ in your life. Fruit bearing, 30, 60, and 100 fold, has to do with your influence in the lives of people, the abundance of people that are saved or helped because of Christ in your life. The fruit of changing lives, yours, not somebody else's, but your life, the fruit of nobility, an abundance of Christ-like character. Listen, if I'm a Christian and the seed of the truth is in my heart, and it's good soil. It's not thorny grounds, not hard-hearted. It's not shallow soil. I receive, I hear it, and I welcome the truth. It bears life-changing nobility in my life, the character of Christ, the abundance of Christ-like character, the fruits of the Spirit, the beauty of good versus the boredom of evil. In our culture, evil is romanticized. We've got fallen angels and zombies and, and all kinds of paranormal stuff romanticized as if somehow that is creative and appealing. But that's empty, shallow, and hollow. There are supernatural beings, fallen angels, but they are defined not by something special, but what they've traded the goodness of God, the glory of God, the creativity and the life of God forfeited. And our culture celebrates the boredom or the creativity and the beauty of evil and calls the good boring. And the fruit of nobility is you're not like one of those old cowboy western towns with a facade with nothing behind it. There is the fruit of life change. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit-bearing means there's more of that in my life. There's a lot of that in my life. There's an undeniable presence of the character of God being realized in my life, not instantaneously, not in 12 minutes, but over time through practice and patience and perseverance, the fruit of the Spirit, loving, you first living, joyful. I'm glad 
even though this circumstance is difficult. There's real joy, peaceful versus worry, inner calm, trust. I'm not anxious. Why am I not anxious? The fruit of God's spirit in me. Not because I have enough money in the bank, not because I figured out a way to navigate my way out of this difficult season, but because I am trusting God and God is bearing the fruit of peace in a world of worry. Is there more of that? Patience. I call this margin, relational margin. Long-fused is literally the word. It has the idea of it takes a lot to set me off because I have personal margin. Listen, you live in a fallen world with fallen people who do fallen things. The fact that somebody in your world will mistreat you, take advantage of you, lie to you, cheat you, should surprise nobody. And no, I'm not happy about that. I don't go, man, I'm so glad that happened to me. (laughs) No, cut me off again. You want that spot? Have it. I'm not saying that it's natural. I'm saying that when the fruit of God's spirit is in your life, 30, 60, and 100 fold, you have margin for that. You can choose you over me. You can hurt me. You live in homes with people and those people have depravity and those people, no matter where they are on Sunday, are challenged with their fleshly propensity. What do you do with that? Well, fruit-bearing ought to be what you do with that. I've got room for that. Don't like it. Don't need to raise my voice. I don't need to respond in kind. Patience, kindness, thoughtfulness, other-centered disposition and action, goodness. That is morals and motives. Faithfulness. I'm reliable. You can trust me. There's fidelity in my life. If I say it, you can count on it. How much of that is present? It ought to be growing. Gentleness. You know what that is. It's strength with softness. It's not weakness. It's enough strength that I can behave with gentleness. And then self-control. That's the ability to control what I say and what I should do. It's saying no to what I shouldn't do and saying yes to what I should do. Words, attitudes, and actions. I went through that list because I, for one, can take for granted the things expected of me. But fruit-bearing means those things are a real and necessary reality. I'm a Christian. Inside of me is the Spirit of God and the life of God. And if my heart is good soil... Not shallow, not hard, not thorny, with lots of rivalries. The expectation is transformation that is manifest undeniably. And I'm going to argue exponentially. The average yield ratio of grain crops in Palestine was less than 8 to 1. Therefore, even the least productive 30 to 1 was four times the average It is not that a believer produces 160 or 30 times the amount of fruit of an unbeliever because an unbeliever doesn't produce any fruit. Spiritual fruit is the validation of your relationship with God. You're a kingdom citizen. No fruit, no 
confession of affirmation, I'm a Christian. That's why Jesus said in John 15, by this is my Father glorified, verse 8, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That is what this parable is meant to say. Do you have it or do you simply claim it? Are you a spectator wanting to be around it, but you actually don't possess it? This parable is meant to provoke perspective. The parable of the soils is meant to illustrate a reality so as to prompt change or actually to galvanize in you the condition of your heart. Because some people will hear this and they will not change at all. There'll be no conviction at all. There'll be no consideration. They just keep on doing what they're doing. Real Christianity works. So, Verse 20, 30, 60, 100 fold. Last week's message was an are you message, or two weeks ago. Are you a Christian? And if you say you are, how do you know? Now, this Sunday, the focus is on 30, 60, 100 fold fruit bearing. This week is a life and world-changing how-to and what-to-do. Because either this is hyperbole, exaggerated illustration, either Jesus is overstating the case, or there is something possible for you to do if you're in his kingdom. A priority to pursue, priorities to pursue, in order to create extraordinary bounty. Was Jesus exaggerating or is there a critical component to this extraordinary bounty? Having given an inspired look as to how people respond to the teaching of the kingdom via via the parable of the soils, Jesus now gives specific attention to the critical how and what to. What to do. How to bear much fruit. For those that would bountifully benefit from his life-giving and world-changing seeds of truth. The sower is the agent of God. The seed is the truth of God. And the next two parables, Jesus emphasizes the difference-making component woven through his previous components, his previous comments, rather. And here's the big idea. Ears that hear. The difference-making component, the critical focus and priority is having ears that hear. Notice the emphasis on listening and hearing. Mark 4, 3, the beginning of the parable of the soils, we saw it when we looked at it. Verse 3, listen to this. Present active imperative. This is not an option. It's said with authority. Hey, pay attention to this. Listen to this. Mark 4, 9, and he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark 4, 20, and they hear the word of God and accept it, good soil. Mark 4, 21, let's read it, and this is the section I'll highlight today, the big idea, the big component, the how-to, a prominent priority. And Jesus was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? 
Is it not broad to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. Watch verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, verse 24, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Verse 33, with many such parables, Jesus was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. Akuo, the word for here, is used 430 times in the New Testament. 230 of those 430 times are in the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark uses the word here 44 times. And this is what here means. It means to exercise the faculty of hearing. You hear it. You're not deaf to it, you hear it. But it's obviously more than hearing because all four soils, they recognize that they hear. Verse, six, or verse 15, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word. Hard heart. They hear it, but it's hard. Seed doesn't get into it. Verse 16, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. Shallow, shallow soil. Notice what it says in the next verse, verse 18. And the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. Verse 20, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it. So any objective reader of this section says hearing involves everybody. But the concept of hearing in this case obviously involves more than that. It's not just the faculty that I hear the words. It's that I react to the words. Matthew 13, 23, they hear it and they understand it. They hear it in Mark 4, 20, and they welcome it. They accept it. Hearing involves, and here's the definition that I would offer to you. It means to exercise the faculty of hearing but as obvious in this context, it means to hear, understand, listen to me, and act like it. There is no biblical concept of true hearing that isn't, does not involve action. That's why a parent can say to a child, did you not hear me? Well, the question isn't, did you hear me? Is why aren't you acting like you heard me? This is the kind of hearing that welcomes deeply and acts accordingly. The other soils ignore what they hear. They betray the import of it. They squander and exchange the value of it. But this is a call to urgent, active, serious, and sincere hearing. This hearing pays attention. This is ears up. This is my German shepherd. You know he's in the game when his ears are up. When his eyes are focused, it's that. It's attention. It seeks to understand. It's, it's engaged in the mind. Listen, I can hear words and not hear anything because I'm distracted mentally. The Alabama team is losing, and I don't care what Karen is saying. 
Yes, there's deep sadness at my house today. It was a good game, though. Texas legitimately played. For those of you who don't care, no, I care. <laughs> and Karen can be saying something in the kitchen about anything, including something important, but sometimes with my mind engaged in that, I'm not hearing her. Hearing means you're engaging mentally. Your head is up, your ears are open, and you act as if what is heard is true, important, and to be applied. This is the kind of hearing you do when your flight instructor says, I'm going to get out, and you're going to solo this airplane. Nine hours into my flight training, that's what he said. Dick Feckett, he said, Harry, you're ready. Really? Pay attention to this. Make sure your airspeed is here. Make sure you keep it this way. And he gets out of the plane. Now, let me tell you how the listening was when he was getting out of the plane. It's that. Because you know you have to have what's being shared with you. Because when you're in the traffic pattern at the airport, there is nobody to ask. You either heard it and you apply it, or bad consequences can result from it. This is how the kind of hearing you do if you're a student when the professor says, this is going to be on the exam. This is page 73 of our textbook, third paragraph. That's how you hear. This is how you hear when she says, here's my number, email, call me. And she's godly and she's cute. Let me tell you something, you're paying attention if you're that guy. (laughs) This is the kind of hearing when they say your inheritance is in the safe, and I'm going to give you the combination once. (laughs) Do you feel it? That's hearing. Ears that hear are intentionally listening with applied understanding for practical living. Listen, you can go to Grace Church. You're going to hear a great sermon today. Not necessarily this one, but the one to follow. You're going to hear the truth unpacked. But if it's not heard with the intention to understand and then apply, it's not hearing. That is why Jesus is repeating this commandment. If you've got ears, hear Because it's possible to be in the crowd, hear the words, and not hear. The message of this parable goes like this, because it's connected to fruitful soil and fruitful life living. Whether it's a changed life, whether it's changing lives. I didn't give you the third one. The abundance of good works. Fruitful living should show up in the way you serve. This is where I should give my nursery announcement. Because one of the ways you manifest the fruit of God is the way you serve people for the glory of God. The greatest in the kingdom is the what? The servant. And fruit bearing involves living and giving, serving and investing in the lives of people. But the big truth idea for this particular paragraph, boiled down as this, to produce fruit, you have to willingly, deeply, and exclusively receive the seed 
of truth and apply it. For there to be big, bountiful, 30, 60, 100-fold, undeniable, exponential, maximum living, maximum impact for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. And it has to do with this and this. It's not about trying harder. It's about receiving supernatural seed. This is living and active. This is the word of God, the seed of truth, that when sown in a good soil heart, that has ears to hear, intentionally engages the mind, and resolves to apply, guess what that soil and that life produces? Lots of fruit. Maximizing and unleashing the seed of truth is learning the power of the truth in your life. I was going through a season of... uh, trying to become more fit, which is a cyclical thing for me. Um, Maybe you can relate to me. I have a club if you want to join it. In, out, try hard, not do too good. But I had an executive in my former church in Birmingham who his company, Northwestern, hosted a speaker by the name of Joe Dillon. $10,000 for the morning, that was his speaking fee, which seemed like a lot to me. And Joe Dillon's thing, he's 60-some years old, he's coached 60-some Olympic athletes to 20-some gold medals. His whole argument is the key to fitness is not exercise, it's nutrition. 75% of fitness is what you eat. That was like an epiphany for me. I thought you just had to sweat a lot. Eat right and watch the effect of food working for you. It, it's, like, it's like the power of money. The concept is kin to the investment and saving principle of letting money work for you. You can work for all your money or you can invest some of your money and let it work. It's the idea that you're taking in the truth, nutrition. And you recognize that it's not all my spiritual activity that defines my fitness. It's the nutrition of my soul and life that defines my fitness. And my performance, even if it's at Olympic level, will be realizing its highest potential. Not because I exercise a lot, but because I eat well. This is how supernatural truth can do its work in you. And this is the critical how-to and what-to. All right, so let me get to the parable. We're going to start with a prominent priority, and this is if you want to grow, if you want to bear significant fruit in your life and the lives of others, number one, put truth in a prominent place in your life. Put truth in a prominent place in your life. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket or to be put under the bed. Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? Now, you need to understand the symbol of the truth changes from seed to a lamp, the light of truth. 
The lamp in this picture is the Word of God, the, word, the truth as preached by Jesus and His agents. The purpose of a lamp, like the Word of God, is to illuminate its owner's life and His world. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So it shifts from seed to the lamp, the light. The truth is the light. And it does no good hidden. The light of the truth does no good hidden, like it's under a bed or a big basket, but must be and is maximized, here it is, by putting it in the most prominent place possible, the lampstand, prominent. In like manner, the truth of God must not be hidden, but put in the most prominent and productive place in your life so its value is maximized and not lost. Here's a truth. The more prominent the place the lamp of truth enjoys in your life, the more impactful and productive the seed and the light of truth is in your life. Now, three things to consider, and I'm going to begin with a question to you. Honest before God, is the light of God's word, the seed of the truth, in a prominent and productive place in your life? Three things to consider to ensure that it is. This is all under the priority of prominence. A prominent and productive place for a lamp is where you can regularly and easily see it. A prominent and productive place for the Word of God is where you regularly and easily see it. It's not hidden. It's readily accessible. It's readily available. It's not hidden under your bed. It's not under magazines, buried under other books. It's not buried under a litany of other things that compete with it, practice for this, business action for that. It's prominent. It's a priority. I take under the bed to be neglect. You know, you put stuff under the bed, just getting it out of the way. It's just neglecting it. And then I put under the basket, it's more intentional neglect. Just not that important to me. I'll just cover it up. Does the lamp of God's word enjoy a strategic place in your life? How prominent is it? Not to beat you up with guitar things, but the guitar guys say you need to leave your guitar out. You want to be good at guitar? Have it accessible. If it's in the case, in the closet, not going to play it. You want to be good at God's word? It needs to be readily available. It ought to be on your desk. It ought to be in your backpack. And sometimes I say, if you do the Harry Walls little three-by-five cards meditation, you can put it over your speedometer. It does two good things. (laughs) No guilt, and I'm growing. (laughs) I am teasing, sort of. (laughs) Where is the Word of God accessible in your life? Is it a Sunday thing? Is it an everyday thing? Is it a morning and evening thing? Spurgeon's devotional, morning and evening. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord, meditating therein day and night. How accessible 
how obvious, how easy, in your backpack, on your computer, on your phone, is the lamp of truth a priority in your life? Are you enjoying its light regularly and easily? How dominant is it? Listen, the first thing you do in the morning, I assume, you get up and you turn a light on. The first thing you ought to do is turn the light on. Most of you will not buy what I'm about to say, but Job said, I desire your word more than my necessary food. Before you eat physically, eat spiritually. Read the Bible with ears to hear. It's why meditation is so critical. We're in a church where lots of information gets disseminated. What you need to know is ears that hear take what's heard. They engage it. They think about it. It's not just data. And then it gets applied. Where? The Word of God everywhere. You want to be able to see everywhere you go. And when? First thing. And the day begins. The second thing, I think, to be noted meditatively, a prominent and productive of a place is where its light, the lamps, can be seen in all of your life. I just want to extend the idea to you that the Word of God informs everything you do. There's no barrier home to work, athletic field to a musical performance. Everywhere you go is to be informed by the truth. You want a light everywhere. Some time ago, I was going up to the attic Heard little critters, squirrels. They felt like my attic was their home. And uh, it's not good to have squirrels in your attic. They do damage. They chew things. So to go up into the attic to deal with the squirrels, failure on my part, didn't turn the light on. Banged head on rafter, no light. Attic, hard to reach light. Hard to reach switch, one light, big space. You know what? There's no addicts in your life where you don't need light. There's no closet in your life where you don't need light. Prominent light, prominent truth is light that illuminates in all of your life. Every circumstance, every situation is to be informed by the seed of truth. And let me tell you what will happen. You'll bear fruit, lots of it. Because if you're like I am, you get influenced by things you hear in the culture in which you live. And the more often they say it and the more consistent their influence is, you can be shaped by it. And then you've got people in your life that aren't actually good proponents of truth. They'll tell you stories about how their life works that's not consistent with the truth. You need the truth everywhere to inform the decisions you make and the actions that you pursue, and the words that you use. Let me give you one more thing under this prominent and productive place. It's on display in your life. Now listen, and for others to see. This is Luke eight sixteen parallel passage. Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container, that's the basket, or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand. Now listen to this, eight sixteen, the Gospel of Luke in order that those who come in may see the light. 
and see from the light. The light in my life and the light in your life is an influence to illuminate the lives of others. This is the critical component, Matthew 5, 15. It gives light to all who are in the house. Now listen to this, Matthew 5, 16. Therefore, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Ever wonder why more of our family and friends don't come to Christ? Why we're not more fruitful in influencing lives? Could it be that the light, the good work, the truth lived out is not casting its influence on the lives of those who witness the light coming out of our life? Could it be the word is not in a prominent place in our life and therefore it's not seen by those who are in our life? The truth is to have a prominent place in your life like the purchase of a lamp for lighting. It is not brought, bought for hiding. It is bought for illuminating. And the big benefit is that there will be revelation to you and revelation through you. Look at verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. This is the the goal of God. I want you to know. Put the light on. Get it in a prominent place. It's my intention through the light of my word to illuminate your life. It'll be revealed. Nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. Verse 11 of Mark 4, he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, get everything in parables. There are people on the outside who are not going to get the truth revealed to them unless they see it lived out through you. You're the light revealer. You're the truth disseminator. It's, it helps you. The more you know, the more you receive. And we're going to see that in a minute. But the goal of God is revelation to you, to not keep it a secret, but to help you understand it. And the more the truth that you have in you, and it dominates by its prominence and its regularity and its ease of of access, the more you have, the more you understand. And so it might be hard. I don't get it. I don't see how this works. This is a complicated truth. This is a difficult truth. Receive it, apply it, and trust God to reveal his truth to you. And as you live it, guess who gets to witness it? The people around you. The revelation of truth. God reveals his kingdom mysteries through the light of the truth seen in us. Proactively put the seed and the light of the truth in a prominent place in your life as this unleashes the light and it brings maximum seed benefit to your life and to the kingdom of God. It is by this means that others will see the mysteries and the hidden things of God unveiled in your life. They will see the light you put on display and it will illumine them to the things of God and the ways of life. Do you understand then verse 23? Verse 23 says, if you've got ears to hear, hear it. Because everything depends on it. 
Fruit bearing is directly connected to light bearing. Truth disseminating. Truth lived. Listen, you want to hinder your fruitfulness? Know stuff. Let people know you know stuff and not live that stuff. You want to talk about hurting fruit bearing? Well, Harry, he knows a lot. He just doesn't live it. So how do you hear? By putting truth in the most prominent places of your life. And I'll go back to the question I started with. Where is the light of the truth in your life? How often do you turn it on and benefit from it? Is your truth lamp lit every day or once a week or once a month? Bountiful blessings and big benefits are the product of the word of God in your life and lived out in your life. Number two, a pure pursuit. Second key principle to employ and maximize, to maximize the seed and unleash its light. Number two, get pure truth in maximum measure. I want you to notice the words in verse 24. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. Take care what you listen to. Get the best truth you can get, pure truth. Take care what you listen to points to the standard or quality of the truth you are to hear. And I'm going to call it pure kingdom truth. Standard of quality. A lot of us listen to junk. We read junk. This is not fast food. This is not superficial sugar content food. I'm surprised sometimes at some of the things God's people listen to. <laughs> I had a family in my church that best life now, Joel Osteen, book in their, on their kitchen table. Man, he's an inspirational speaker. Maybe he has a nice smile and a beautiful tie, but he doesn't tell the truth. And there are people that are entertaining communicators. They're inspiring Man, you want to just charge. But the problem is those persons, unless they're telling the truth, it's not experiential, it's not anecdotal, it's not life illustrations, it's the Word of God exposited. You want the truth. Experience does not validate reality. We can be pragmatic Listen to Luke. This is sobering. You may want to look it up later, but here's a, a parallel thought as it relates to light. This is Luke eleven thirty three. No one after lighting a lamp puts it away in a cellar nor under a peck measure, but on the lampstand. Sound familiar? Common theme about the truth. But listen to this. The lamp of your body is your eye. So your eye gate is the receiver of the truth. When your eye is clear, when it's pure, your whole body also is full of light. So if your eye is pure or clean or clear, you're taking in good stuff. 
The content is uncompromised. Now listen to this. And so is your character. Because sometimes the eye gate is compromised by the other things the eye takes in. When your, body is, when your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. And when it is bad, when it's clouded, either by the content or your character, your body also is full of darkness. In other words, the benefit of the intake is not affecting you positively if the eye gate is impure and the content is impure. Then watch out that the light in you may not be darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it shall be wholly illuminated or illumined as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. Pure content. Pure character. And I'm not talking about perfectly pure. Nobody's perfectly pure except Jesus. If we have to say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. We're a liar. None of us show up pure, pure. But when we are in right relationship with God and are good-hearted, as Luke says, honest heart, good heart, holding fast like Harry to the roof, When you're that person and the eye gate is clear by character and the content is pure by content, guess what happens? My whole body's full of light. And that light illuminates everybody in my life. That's the kind of listening you need to do. Take care what you listen to. I'm sorry, but there's some music you shouldn't be listening to. Anybody who knows anything about music knows that one of the benefits of music is how it impacts you emotionally and how it seeds perspectives in your heart. You can't watch certain things without effect. Your eye gate, what you take in, affects you. You can't watch some of the things that circulate and promote lies, not the truth. Take care what you listen to is what you watch, what you listen to. Look, if you're a leadership person, some of you read books that just aren't consistent with truth. Some business guy has been successful. They've enumerated the 10 truths to their success, and nine of them are not true. The Bible is pure truth. It doesn't need refining. It's been perfectly refined. It's like pure gold. Pick carefully. Read the Bible significantly. And I'll say this to you. Read the Bible more than you read anything else. Some of you will be victimized because of devotional books. And listen, I love Charles Spurgeon. I read him a lot, but not first. And you don't want some commentator informing your perspective before the Spirit of God has the opportunity to inform your perspective. Let the Word of God be the book you spend the most time with. And then when you do read books, read good ones. Listen to good sermons. No junk food. No contaminated food. You get the idea? This is not me working harder. This is me taking in the seed of truth that transforms me and informs me and produces fruit through me and in me. And if that makes sense, will you say amen?
Okay, so this is why Jesus is telling this. And here's a powerful promise. Look at what he says. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Big helpings to people who take big, big doses. And more will be given to you besides. So this is your grandmother. You take a big helping of her dish, guess what's coming? More of it. I see you like that. Yes, I do. Have some more. Now listen to me. Listen to what Jesus is saying. You want pure truth. That's quality in big quantity. And the more you take in, the more the giver gives. Now let me tell you, that's a powerful promise. You are hungry. It's heaping truth. Given it will be given to you, Luke. Jesus says this statement five times in different settings. It's like a a big idea. You get what you sow and in the volume in which you sow it. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap. That's about giving. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Giving affects getting. That's what Jesus said. And getting affects Giving, getting in this case, affects getting. You get a lot, he gives a lot. Get good stuff and get a lot of it. Standard of quantity. Now Luke's gospel says this, and I want to punctuate this in the two minutes that I have. And I might take one more than that. And that is this. Luke says it this way. Take care how you listen. I'm going to argue how you listen is whether you take notes or you don't take notes. How you listen is what you do with the notes you take. How you listen is how prepared you are to come to class. You can burn the candle Saturday night, but don't think you're coming Sunday morning ready to hear. This is about preparation. This is about application. It's about writing it down, and it's about living it out. Take care how you listen. Intentionality as a priority. Pay attention. Put yourself in a good seat. I think the Holy Spirit rarely gets to the back at Grace Church. (laughs) Say, Harry, why do you sit in the front row? I want to be on camera. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) Because I get distracted. You distract me. I don't want to look at you. I want to look at the preacher. I want to watch the choir. Now, look, if you're one of those people that sits at the back, just know you got to work harder. (laughs) You do. And if you're going to a concert paying for tickets, you pay more for the seats at the front. Right? You don't pay more for the ones at the back in the nosebleed section. Put yourself in a position to listen. All right, I'm going to, because we're at the end, this powerful promise is complemented with this, verse 25. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Who says? God says. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. This is the painful possibility. This is like the steward. He didn't use his talent. I'm going to take it and give it to the guy who used it. Rolling Stone magazine. 
say, Harry, you read Rolling Stone? No, I just saw this illustration because I just told you pure truth. In Rolling Stone, Chris Heath discusses religion with Brad Pitt. (laughs) He writes, there is one subject Pitt refers to from time and time, from time to time, and that is religion. Pitt calls religion oppression. Grew up in a Christian home. He says, because it stifles any kind of personal individual freedom. I dealt with a lot of that. My family would dramatically and diametrically disagree with me on all of that. It's only when we later drift into an unlikely debate about one of the New Testament parables that I realize just how different Pitt's God is compared to the biblical God. To him, and this is Brad Pitt, to him, the parable of the prodigal son is an authoritarian tale told to keep people in line. This, he explains, is a story which says if you go out and try to find your own voice and find what works for you and what makes sense for you, then you're going to be destroyed and you'll be humbled and you'll not be alive again until you come home to the Father's ways, end quote. Now, wouldn't you agree that that's sad? He had it. He didn't capitalize on it. I'm going to argue without a miraculous intervention, even what he has will be taken away. Because you know what that parable interpretation is? Dead wrong. And if you ignore hearing it, thinking about it, and living it, you're going to waste it. And God forbid you lose it. Fruit bearing. It's the proof of our salvation. It's not instantaneous. It's a change of lifestyle. Patience, practice, perseverance. And when you get to heaven, and even sometimes today, you're going to see the evidence of the truth of God's word having an effect supernaturally, undeniably, exponentially through you. Not just John MacArthur. Not just missionaries around the world. You. Because you're a kingdom person, and you have good seed in good soil, and you're going to bear fruit. Does that encourage you? It should. Father, thank you for the opportunity to consider these truths meant for our blessing and benefit. Lord, help us to have ears that hear, to maximize the message to unleash the light, to not only experience the truth, but to impact others with the truth they observe and see. We want to honor you, and we don't want to lose it. We want to multiply it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a good morning.